0: Greetings, and welcome to the Get Hiking Southeast podcast. I'm Joe Miller, and I'll be leading this adventure. Why me? Why am I at the front of the pack? Well, for the last decade or so, I've been leading hikes and backpack trips in the Southeast, and for nearly three decades, I've been writing about adventure in the region as a newspaper columnist, guidebook author, and as a blogger. Our focus in the Get Hiking Southeast podcast is telling the stories of the hikers and the trails, especially those lesser-known trails in the southeastern United States. Here now the news. It is nesting season for the peregrine falcon and as a result, several rock faces in western North Carolina will be closed for the next several months. Peregrine falcons mate for life and return to the same site each year to nest. If the pair is disturbed, they will leave the site and may not nest again until the following year. The main activities affected by these closures are rock climbing, rappelling, ice climbing, bouldering, hang gliding, and slacklining. Drone use in these areas is also prohibited, as is camping. You can hike on designated trails throughout these areas, but keep moving and don't linger. In 2021, 15 nesting sites were identified in western North Carolina by the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, with seven of the nesting pairs producing little ones. Four of the closures are in the Linville Gorge area. For a full list of closures, which run through August 15th, visit the the North Carolina Forest Service website, a link for which is in our show notes. And a reminder that starting today, March 1st, if you plan to hike Old Rag in Virginia's Shenandoah National Park, you must have a day-use ticket. The tickets are $1 and can be purchased online up to 30 days in advance. They are available through Recreation.gov, a link for which is in our show notes. And that is the news for this week. Much as we love the winter season, along about, oh, usually mid-January, what's typically called around here the January thaw, we start looking for signs of spring. We can't help it. Warms up a little bit, temperature gets up to 60, 65, get a couple of nice sunny days in a row, and you can't help but start looking for signs of spring, looking and listening. Uh, This year, though, those signs didn't come until a little bit later. We had a, a little colder winter and a snowier winter than usual. And instead of getting those signs at the end of January... We actually didn't get our first signs of spring until about a week and a half ago. Got our first sound sign, which was a sound in the form of a spring peeper. We were on a hike on the mountains to sea trail and happened to hear spring peepers going away in a ditch by a railroad track not far from Falls Lake. So that was that was pretty exciting. It was a little surprising too. The temperature was only about 50, a little cool for the spring peepers, but I guess they got tired of waiting. So out they came. About, oh, five days later, I saw the first trout lily of the season. That was along the Eno River. It was also a day where the temperature was just barely up to 60 uh, last week of February. And I guess the trout lily also was a little tired of waiting because it was not a particularly sunny day. But there they were, there were just two or three of them that had come out in a, in a uh, bottomland area where I am accustomed to seeing them uh, at the first of the the uh, spring season, hundreds of them will come out, had three or four. So great sign there. And then yesterday, I saw more trout lily on another stretch along the Eno River, uh, bottomland forest area. And I saw my first two spring beauties of the season. So to me, that was a sign that spring... Spring was actually trying its best to take hold, and with a forecast for the weekend. Now, we have just barely gotten into the 60s so far this year, and it's the first of March. The weekend forecast calls for temperatures not in the 70s, but in the 80s. So spring is going to be all over the place this particular weekend. So we thought that it would be timely, To take a little bit of a look, a quick look, this is going to be a short session today, we thought we'd take a quick look at what exactly we're looking for when we're out on the trail in search of spring and particularly of the spring wildflowers. So I should have mentioned too that actually preceding the trout lily and the spring beauty in the flower department is the daffodil. However, the daffodil is not a wildflower. It is a flower that was planted years ago by some of the earliest settlers. I think it was seen as um, a sign of hope at, uh, in the middle of early to mid-February. Uh, this little splash of yellow coming up, signaling that, yes, the winter was, was coming to a close and that it would be time again to get out in the fields. So you'll see a lot of those. It's an incredibly hardy plant. Um, they continue to bloom. Some of them have been blooming, obviously, for 100, 150 years. So that is actually the first flower you will see, although not technically a wildflower. So where are we looking for these things? Well, so again, the trout lily um, and the spring beauty, usually the first responders. And the trout lily is uh, probably the most, well, one of the most distinctive wildflowers. It is just a gorgeous, gorgeous little flower. It's got... Uh, it's got six petals, six finger-like petals of yellow and crimson, and they unfurl. Depending on how much sun is out, you'll see them in various, um, modes of being unfurled, almost like a little fist that starts to open up, but a very delicate little fist. Uh, just a gorgeous flower, the leaf is, uh, is how it gets its name. It's a, a mottled green and purple leaf that looks like the skin of a trout. So if you're out and you start to see those this weekend, that is what you're looking at. That would be the trout lily. The Spring Beauty has uh, is a delicate white flower. And it's a, a white flower that can vary. There can be st- uh, strings of pink in them. There can be strings of uh, purple. Um, often they're just white so they vary they vary a fair amount, but generally right now, that is what you're going to be seeing. Um, and then after those come out, you'll start to see periwinkle, you'll see chickweed, and uh, kind of a cavalcade of, of other wildflowers. But right now, this particular weekend coming up, and at the beginning of the spring season, even though it's technically not spring, you will see the trout lily and the spring beauty. So where do we look for these guys? They can be hard to find. They're they're little, um, and they're doing their thing right now because it won't be long before the trees leaf out and suck up all the sun. So it's imperative that that they um, that they leaf out now and that they they do all their life sustaining activities catching the sun uh, before the trees leaf out and and they don't have a source of sun. So. One of my favorite places to look right now is bottomland forests. Those seem to be some of the best spots for um, for finding trout lilies and spring beauties in particular. So if you're out this weekend, maybe find um, do a hike along a riverbed that's got a flat area. I think your odds are probably a little bit better there. A little bit better too on anything that's got more of a south-facing exposure. It's going to be a little bit warmer, get a little bit more sunlight. Um, so, bottomland forest. Uh, I would also, this sounds kind of funny, but I would also look on the website of wherever you're going to go exploring. So, if you're, for instance, going to a state park, if you log on to the state park website, and the list of trails, sometimes on the list of trails it will say, it'll give a description that includes what wildflowers might be out. Sometimes they will also give an indication uh, in the general description or in the ecology s- section about the wildflowers that are prevalent and generally when the best viewing is. And if, if the park that you're going to has a, a social media presence, uh, that is a little bit more immediate way for them to convey what is out at the time. So, for instance, you might go to the Facebook page for the park and um, see if anybody, any rangers or even just people who have visited the park have posted photos or have some indication of where you're going to be more likely to see spring wildflowers. So, what are you looking at? IDing your wildflowers. This is where things have gotten a lot more... uh, user-friendly, I would say. It used to be, I'd say, you know, five, ten years ago as recently, that if you were interested in trying to find out what it was you were looking at in terms of anything really coming up out in the woods, you had to tote with you a a bulky guide. Um, in this case, it'd be a wildflower guide, and it would be... Uh, depending on how well it was organized, some of them would um, do identification based strictly on color, some of them on um, date of bloom, some of them on, uh, well, just different factors, generally color, date of bloom, leaves, uh, and location, also another um, a good way to find out. And it could take some digging um, to make a complete match. Now, that's still one way you can do it. One of the um, one of the good bi- guidebooks for the southeastern region is *Wildflowers and Plant Communities of the Southern Appalachians and Piedmont*, a naturalist guide to the Carolinas, Virginia, Tennessee, and Georgia. Now, this is uh, we'll have a link to this book in our show notes. Um, but this one is kind of a classic guidebook. Um, you're going to need to do a little taxonomy work of your own to track down and and figure out what's what. Um, So it can, it can, I mean, it's fun, but it is going to take you a little bit of work. And I should also note that this guidebook is 539 pages. So it's going to be a chore to to, tote around. Uh, Probably your best bet, though, is there have been a profusion of apps that help you, you that help you identify what it is you're seeing wildflowermd.com has identified seven site or seven apps that it likes um we noticed that most of them though kind of adhere to that uh, common guidebook format in in which you're going to need to do a fair amount of work to identify what you're, it is you're looking at by entering in you know color location time of year there was one app that we saw where it's, from the description, it sounded like you would enter this stuff in and then it would go to a council of <laughs> botanists. I don't know if they were standing by, if they were just sitting in their offices waiting for a description to come up, but um, you would get an answer back. I think it said either within minutes or a couple days, and that is not particularly satisfying in, in our view. Um, and not all that helpful. I mean it's more compact than a guidebook, a traditional guidebook, but not as helpful as it could be. The app that we use, the one that we like, is called Picture This and the way it works is you simply take a picture of what it is you're looking at and it will identify what it is you're looking at. Good thing about this, it works from a database of more than 10,000 plants and it has Claims to have a 99% accuracy rate, and from our, we've been using it for about two years, and I would say that that's um, that accuracy rate is pretty accurate. I think it's been stumped one or two times, and that may have been more because the quality of the photo it couldn't um, possibly couldn't narrow in on on identifying features. But we have had good luck there. Was one time where it misidentified a magnolia, and I'm not still not quite sure how that happened. But by and large, it's very accurate, and it will also give you information about the plant. It'll give you some history, uh, tell you whether it's native or not. Um, just provides a great deal of information, and you can save it to your own garden for future reference, uh, and and helps you keep track of of the plants and wildflowers in uh, specifically that you'll see, and that's nice for future reference when you're trying to remember. You know when you started to see things the previous year, you can look up and it will it will have a record of of what it was you saw and where you saw it and when you saw it. So picture this, and again, we'll have a link to that in our show notes. And then a third good way that you can identify um, plants is to simply to sign up for a guided hike. Now, state parks are particularly good at this. The state parks in uh, North Carolina and Virginia. If you go onto their events page, you will find uh, scheduled uh, wildflower hikes. Uh, They try to schedule these in a way that um, coincides with what they're expecting to bloom. So, you know, nothing's a given. This year being a, a good example of the fact that everything's a little bit late, at least in the central Piedmont of North Carolina, uh, so, <clears throat> there's no guarantees that you're going to be seeing what they hope to be seeing, but there's a good chance you'll see something and you'll certainly learn um, from an um, experienced naturalist what it is that you're looking for. Um, if you have a land trust in your area, they are generally really good about doing these guided hikes because they want to they get you out on their properties. They want you to see the work that they're doing, uh, the land that they're preserving and they want you to be a part of that. So, um good example is the Eno River Association which has saved more than 4100 acres along the Eno River and a couple of tributaries here in central North Carolina. They do an annual spring hike series that's every Sunday afternoon. It's a 2-hour hike. They don't cover much ground, but then they don't need to. I mean, you may hike just a mile. But uh, they are especially good at identifying where blooms are coming out and they will take you and they'll show you what's coming up. And, um, you know, you'll have a little talk about the environment and why a particular area is uh, uh, favorable for this type of, of wildflower. So those are particularly good, too. And again, we'll have a link there in our show notes. So that is kind of a quick look at uh the spring wildflower season we also have a handout it's called spring wildflowers tip sheet from get hiking and we will have a link to that in our show notes as well so you can download that and use it as a helpful guide and some um some guidance as well for the upcoming spring season so a great weekend coming up month of march is especially good for spring wildflowers uh March, actually into early May, is generally pretty good. But we're getting into it right now. It's a great time to get out. So get out and see what you can find. That is our show for this week. I hope you liked it and that you'll be back. In the meantime, a reminder that the Get Hiking Southeast podcast is a part of the Get Hiking and Get Backpacking universe, where instead of just telling you about great places to go, we take you there. The weekend of March 11th to 13th, we're doing a base camp backpacking trip to Mount Rogers in Virginia. We'll hike about a mile in full pack, then do day hikes of 12 and 6 miles from there. And our winter wild off-trail adventure series for 2021-22 ends on March 12th with a trip to the Burkhead Mountain Wilderness of Central North Carolina. Eight miles of hiking old roadbeds and some trail, with a bit of bushwhacking thrown in. You can learn more about these adventures and everything else that we do at GetGoingNC.com. Click on Explore With Us. If you like what we're doing here at the Get Hiking Southeast podcast, please do leave a review with the podcast vendor from whom you receive this weekly communication. And if you don't like it, or if you have some constructive criticism, or perhaps a topic for an upcoming episode, drop us a line at joe@getgoingnc.com. Until we meet again, get out and explore.